Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And today, Christy, we're going to talk about a word that a lot of people use. Quite frankly, I think it's not a lack of having it. I think it's a lack of implementing it. We're going to talk today about ambition. I think that it'll be really good for our audience to hear how to kind of bring that out of you. So when we're talking about ambition, I really want you to kick this off because you really put a lot of work into this show. Well, I think ambition is something that's misunderstood. I agree with you. But let's start where, and a lot of times we do start, and that's by the definition. The definition is ambition is a strong desire to do or to achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. That sounds like a great definition. So to see something you want in the future and believing you can achieve it enough to put the work and effort into it. Mm, Okay. Believing what you do today, you can achieve in the future. Yeah. And I think that that's what we're kind of trying to get people to understand is a lot of people have it. Right. Well, it's really is the motivation behind people who are very successful Mm -hmm. generally. Let's talk about that for a second. So that kind of goes in what you're kind of talking about, like the expectancy theory. Yeah, we did a whole show on that, or at least part of a show on the expectancy theory, and we've talked about that several times. This is kind of my my favorite motivation theory, because ambition really does link to, it's not the same as motivation, but it links to it. The expectancy theory, though, is very similar to ambition, is that you have to believe that the effort that you put into something is going to give you the desired result that you want. Okay. So if you don't believe that one of those two things can happen... Right? You don't believe that one, you have the effort, the knowledge, you're not smart enough, you're not this, you're not that to get what you want. You're not going to be motivated to do it. You're not going to have any ambition towards it. If you don't believe that the carrot at the end of the stick you're really going to get, regardless mm-hmm. of how much effort you put into it, but you're not going to actually get it, then you're not going to be motivated to do it either. So, huh? for an example, we're talking about like people that trying to achieve like this goal at work. Nobody achieves it, so nobody actually ever tries to get to it. Right. And you may have people who meet the criteria, and then they don't get it because of somebody else's choice, right? You know, if you do this, then you're going to get this promotion, so you work your tail off to do this, and you accomplish everything that they've asked, and then you don't get the promotion. So you don't do it anymore. So you don't, yeah, a lot of people just don't, exactly, don't do it anymore. Or if you don't believe that you can do whatever the criteria is to get it done, whether you can or you can't, even if your boss says, oh, I really think you need to do this presentation because if you do really good on this presentation, you're going to get this promotion. If you don't believe you can do really good on that presentation, then you're not probably going to do very good on the presentation because you don't believe it, even though other people believe it for you. So this is a two-edged thing that when it comes to the expectancy theory, you can either not believe you can achieve it or you can also believe that you're not actually going to get it. And a lot of times that's in other people's control. And so if you don't believe you're going to get it, then you're not going to be motivated to do it either. And so you're not going to necessarily have the ambition with which to then to have the motivation. So, so you have to have the ambition before the motivation. Well, I think they go hand in hand sometimes. Mm-hmm. But ambition is directly related to your self-esteem and your self-confidence in yourself. That would make but sense. But it's different than an aspiration. I think those are things that people use aspirations and ambitions, that they're the same thing, and they're not. Aspirations are one goal or one outcome, right? You can have an aspiration. Those things are generally quantifiable, right? I want to be the CEO. 
I want to make a million dollars. I want to win a championship. I want this particular job. That's an aspiration. That's not being ambitious and that's not an ambition. And I think sometimes we use that inappropriately. We think I'm going to, I have this ambition to be, well, no, an ambition is what you are. Really? Okay. That's kind of interesting. It's, it's a character trait. Ambition is very linked to your core values Mm -hmm. and it's linked to your character. Are you ambitious? Do you have the drive, the will to do this? And that ambition then turns into motivation. But an aspiration is a one-time thing, a goal and outcome. Now, you can be ambitious to achieve your aspiration, but those things are not mutually exclusive. They are not the same thing. Okay. That's, okay. A, that's a little mind twister for so, you. <laughs> well, and, and people think, well, that, you know, that's cutting hairs. Well, when you're, you believe in the law of attraction and what you focus on increases, and definitions matter. Words matter. The whole show on that, right? Words matter. Words matter when you tell other people. And words matter what you tell yourself, especially in your 76% of self-negative talk. Those words and what words you use really do matter. But yeah, ambition is not a single event or an object to obtain. It's basically a mindset, a person's value, a state of being. Um, When one, you know, people who are ambitious, then when one goal is obtained, an ambitious person is going to move to the next and move to the next and move to the next and move to the next. So there you go. That's the aspiration part of the ambition. Exactly. And they are tied together, same as motivation. They're tied to motivation because you're not going to be uh, ambitious and you're not going to have an aspiration towards something if you don't believe you can actually obtain it. And that's going to be your motivating factor towards working towards something. Okay. I mean, that certainly makes sense. And I think it's important for people really to have more of a quantifiable timeline or steps, if you will, because most people think that these things are just kind of out there and you don't know how to really put them in play. So I think that's really important for people to understand the definition of each one of these things. Well, and that's all we're going to talk about today is ambition. So understanding where that falls into your motivation, your aspirations, your goals towards the future, uh, who you are as a person, what things you value and what things you don't, because you're probably not going to be very ambitious towards things that you don't value. Ambition is directly related to what you're willing to put in the work for. Then that, yeah, I agree with you 100%. If you don't know what those things are, it's going to be really hard to be ambitious towards them, right? I mean, again, you know, your parents may think that you should have ambition towards X, but if you don't value it, you're not going to be willing to put the work into it and you're not going to be ambitious in that area. Yeah, best you'll be mediocre. Right, exactly. And perfection is in the practice. Did a whole show on that too, right? This is another one of those things. What you practice, you're going to perfect. So what you're ambitious at, what will the things that you're willing to put in that extra, the determination, the hard work to get that you actually believe you can obtain Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be very ambitious towards things that you don't believe you can obtain, then your perfection in the practice is probably going to be mediocre. And so let's talk about that for just one second. When we talk about somebody that says, you know, I'm ambitious because it is a state of being, but they don't know where to focus that ambition on. Right. How do we kind of start moving towards the thing that we're going to be aspirational about, if you will. Well, I think we're going to give some steps and we're going to give a lot of specific things that link to this about how do you keep that going? How okay. do you act on your ambition? That's, so gonna, yeah, yeah, I think we're that's gonna where give, 
some some specifics on that. But I think one of the things is that we need to look at too is when we talk about ambition, when we we want to give examples of people that are ambitious, right? Mm-hmm. People that are successful. We do these things just unconsciously, right? Why did David conquer Goliath, right? Or those Davids out there that conquer Goliath all the time? Mm-hmm. Why do we root for the underdog, right? Because we see ambition, that drive and that fire in that person that ambition meets, but many times exceeds the talent. So, right, you, you vote for the underdog because you can see that they're ambitious. You can see that they want it. Right. That's yeah, one of those things that we hear the phrase oh, how the, all the time, especially in sports. How bad do you want it? Because how bad you want it is directly how ambitious you are. How much are you willing to work for it? And ambition will take you far further than talent. I personally think when you say how bad do you want it? What I hear is how far are you willing to not quit at it? Right. Well, that's your ambition. Right. And so right. when people what go, are you well, willing to put into it? Well, and I think that that's what people think. Well, if I want it bad enough, it's going to happen. Well, that may not always be the case. What I think they're genuinely saying is, are you not willing to quit at it? Right. Because ambitious, determined, and passionate people find reasons not to quit. Right. They look for the possible and the impossible. They use their strengths and their opportunities to manage their weaknesses and their threats. Mm-hmm where a lot of people get stuck in their weaknesses and threats and they never even see their strengths and opportunities. I agree with you. It's that refusal to give up. Exactly. You know, I, there you go. That's, that is what we're talking about today. How do you act upon those things in your life that you are passionate and determined enough, that you believe in enough, that you are ambitious towards working towards? How do you not get stuck in the failures? How do you keep that train rolling down the track of ambition? That's Mm -hmm. what we're going to talk. We're going to give all kinds of specifics on how to do that. And I think for people that are out there listening, I don't care where where you're at in your life. You may have a level you want to reach. You may want something more out of whatever. Whatever that is, this is the show for you. So then that way you can kind of focus in on that. I know I listened to this speech with The Rock, and that's what he was basically talking about is how he went about it. And each person is different. Right. And he made that very clear. This is how I do it. But the steps that we're going to talk about is universal. And it's understanding that you've got to stretch yourself. You've got to bend but not break. Uh, we talk a lot of shows about stretch targets, that they have to be attainable. Again, mm-hmm. you're not going to be ambitious and motivated towards something that you don't think is attainable. I agree. Yeah. So you have to set stretch targets that are attainable. And if you have to break something down 15 times until you actually believe it's attainable, that's what you have to do. Those small wins that you have to create in the scenario to keep that going. Yeah, to keep that, well, like you said, motivation right, exactly. going. Because <laughs> you know? where a dream is a future endeavor kind of is a theory, right? When you dream of something, you're theorizing what it might look like or what might that. Ambition is actually a call to action. One of the things that I think you brought up when we were talking about that is that this is really a Western value, really. Yes. Ancient and Eastern cultures believe that ambition is really a bad thing, right? (laughs) They think it keeps us from being in the moment and connecting spiritually to this moment that we're in. And that's probably actually true. But yes, as far as a capitalist Western value, we believe that ambition is a good thing. You know, Aristotle, my favorite in the Committee Ethics, he believed that true success and happiness comes from finding a balance between what he called excess and deficiency, 
which is kind of finding that middle ground. So understanding how the cost uh, to the ambition is really important. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to go for that doesn't far exceed become then unhealthy or, you know, we know these workaholics, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we say they're Thank very ambitious. <laughs> yeah, but they, you know, they're working 18 hours a day and they have no other life. That's not really a healthy ambition. So what we want to talk about today is understanding that ambition also has to be taken in a context of you've got to live your life. But yeah, ambition is a Western philosophy, not necessarily an ancient or, or an Eastern philosophy. So, you know, that's a whole different show, but... Today, we're going to look at some ways that we can act on our Western ambition and how we can be more successful by having an ambitious nature, just a, a character of being ambitious. I like it. So let's get right into it. So number one, goal setting and making decisions. That's right. To act on your ambition, you have to know what that end carrot is. <laughs> you have to know what you're working, what are you determined and what are you working for? You got to have a direction. <laughs> exactly. Ambitious people make plans. They work their plans. Uh, one of the big things is that they have measurable and very specific goals. They know when they've reached their goal. They're not some vague, um, well, you know, I don't know. I'm going to go out for a drive, and when I get there, I'll know when I'm there. Now, that's an Eastern thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not ambition in Western thinking. Western thinking is, I know I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and uh, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to go get it. I get that. So that's how you act on your ambition is is the goal setting. So making these goals, writing them down, and making decisions, acting on them is your motivation. So that certainly makes sense. You got to know where you're going. Well, you got to know what to start with. Exactly. And writing things down is very important. I would, yeah, definitely. You know, being able to keep them visual that you can actually see them. You know, people have dream boards for a reason, Mm -hmm. right? Because they are visual things of things that they want to aspire to, things that they want to obtain, their goals, their things that they, they need to keep these steps going. So you need to write them down. They need to be visible. And we need to make this clear. When we're talking about your vision board out there, that could be whatever that is. If you want to travel around the country and serve meals at Ronald McDonald's houses, that is your vision board. Exactly. So, so what do you need to do? If that's your, you know, your your aspiration and you need to work on how to act on that ambition, your your desire, your determination, your fortitude on how you're going to accomplish that, these are the things, you know, you've got to set goals, you've got to write it down, you've got to make a visual, you've got to make to-do lists. And we want to make it clear because I think most people, when they hear about vision boards, they want big mansions, a fast car, you know, beautiful clothes. No, it doesn't have to be that. No, it, it doesn't can have to be. be whatever you want it to you know, be. It can be that if that's what you value and that's what you want. Sure. Um, but certainly, it could be anything. Anything. These are very subjective, and they're yours. Don't let anybody else poo-poo your idea of what's important to you. Very good point. And that's one of the reasons why, when you put it down on paper, you actually take the emotion out of it. Right? I agree with that because so then you're not necessarily overwhelmed because mm-hmm. if you have this overwhelming task. And you can write down a to-do list of this is how I'm going, the goals that I'm going to put in place to actually accomplish this task. Then it becomes measurable. Then it becomes obtainable because you're not doing this monumental thing. You're doing all these little things that are going to move you towards your monumental thing. Because it never is a monumental thing. It's 10,000 little things. (laughs) Right. And that comes into figuring out what you did right and what you did wrong and how you can change it. 
Right. And I can, Again, I, I that's can a part that. of the decision-making process and the goal-setting. We, we did a whole show on goal-setting. We did a whole show on decision-making. Go back and listen to those. We talked a lot about SWOT analysis. So remind us again, what is a SWOT? A SWOT analysis is listing your strengths and your weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats. Your strengths and your weaknesses are going to be internal and your opportunities and your threats are going to be external. So understanding what those things are. And you can do a SWOT analysis on anything, right? What are your strengths going into this? What are your weaknesses going into this that you need to overcome? What are your opportunities, those things out there, those people out there, the resources out there? And what are the threats, those things that may impede upon your process that are completely out of your control? Hmm. So you need them on your radar. So you can do a SWOT analysis on any goals, on any timelines, anything you're going to do. If you can put a SWOT analysis, just quickly make you know, a side-by-side comparison, if you will. The to... pros and cons, if yeah, you Yeah, that's another way to say it. Yeah, exactly. And address them, figure out how you're going to maximize the resources, how you're going to minimize the, the threats, you know, by seeking out your weaknesses, they don't have so much power over you anymore. That's a very good point. Because if you can recognize them, it's not like they jump up at you. It's like, right. oh, I didn't know about this. Because you know? we all have them. We, yeah. So you use your resources to kind of counteract your weaknesses. If you know you're not a good writer then you need to get somebody in your group that is a good writer that you can call on as a resource and say, okay, here, I need to write this. Would you help me? Rather than trying to work out everything, you're a numbers person, right? You do all the number stuff well, and then you write poorly, and then that hurts you in the end. Right. No, use your resources. Know what your weaknesses are and find ways to turn your weaknesses into maybe not strengths, but manage them. By utilizing your other resources. Maybe you take a class. Maybe you go on YouTube and watch a video. Maybe you get somebody to help you. Whatever that is, you've got to know your weaknesses. Then the power is not on your weaknesses. Then you can transfer that over. And you can actually turn that into a strength. Not necessarily that you're ever going to be... Great at it uh, or whatever. Yeah, you're not going to be a, you know, a great writer. But you can manage that by having somebody help you. I agree with that because I think that that's one of those things that people... I'm, I've never been good at writing. Well, then write more. Right. Like you say, take your class, watch a YouTube video. There are resources out there, but again, mm-hmm. you don't need to become Stephen King. You right. just need to be able to write better. Right. Or know people that do write better or that can help you until you do get better. Exactly. I, I think that's a great, great piece of advice. And, and I think... Staying humble helps you, doesn't it? Well, I think that if you're honest about your weaknesses, you're able to be more humble. And I think when you say, okay, I'm not very good at this, will you help me? That helps other people ask for help. I agree with you. And I got to tell you folks out there, I've said this in a hundred shows, ask for help and people are more than willing to help you because people love to give what they know out to you. I mean, because that makes them shine. Right. You know, I get to show you how to do this, not in a, uh, an egotistical way, but just in a, Oh God, I get to show some authentic way. Exactly. Yeah. People will rise to the, your expectations. They will every time. And, but you have to ask, well, they should have known I needed help. Mm, yeah, Yeah, no, that's on you. You need to ask, you need to be vulnerable and ask for help when you need it. Acknowledging your weaknesses isn't some horrible, awful thing. No. It is really a good thing, most of the time, that you can then get other people to help, then other people feel good about helping, and that ripples down. 
Yeah, and just as a quick side note to that, just keep in mind that you got to do it on their time frame. You know, right, when yes, it, exactly. Yeah. Don't don't ask for help at four thirty on a Friday afternoon. Right, and exactly. Our, this is an emergency, and you know yeah. what I'm saying. So again, it, that's knowing your weaknesses. You're not going to get in point. those those emergency putting out fires. You know what your weaknesses are going in, so you can set that up in your planning process yeah, of who I need to get, what I need to do, who I need to ask for help, and put it on a time frame. Put it on their time frame so that they can help you when it's convenient for them. That is part of the planning process. Mm-hmm. So I agree goal with setting, you. planning, write it down, get the help where you need it, work your plan. That is uh, the number one area of acting your ambition. There you go. And that's universal no matter what you want to do. But once you do all that, then what's the next step? You've got to execute your goals. And believe it or not, this is a huge problem. <laughs> People work out the entire plan and they've got it. But they never pull the trigger on it. Okay, that's not effective. To be successful and to be ambition, you have to act upon your goals. You have to execute them. Don't get stuck in the planning uh, that you fail yeah. to execute. So we're talking about analysis to paralysis here. Right. What's the number one reason why people fail to execute their goals? What do you what what is your top reason why people well, I fa- think they think that they're gonna fail. Yeah, I think it's think fear. That they're not yeah, fear of whatever. They're fear to ask for help because people are gonna think they look stupid. They're fearful of executing it because they think that they're gonna fail. Mm-hmm. They're fearful of some something to do with the process. Exactly. And I gotta tell you folks, that is a real, real thing. When I have to go up to somebody because I don't know how to do something. It's like, man, they're going to think I'm stupid. This is actually part of my job. You know, now they're going to think I'm just, I, I don't know how to do my job. I'm not capable of doing my job or whatever in your life situation that you're having right now. It is fear. And fear has blocked me from doing a lot of different things in my life. Oh, I, all of us. Yeah. Exactly. Because we're all fearful in different things. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to work, I'm not afraid at all to go ask somebody for help. I'm not afraid to, that's not, that's not something that I necessarily struggle with, mm-hmm. but I get a doctor in front of my name. So, and I think that's one of the things that the more you learn academically, the more you become overwhelmed with how much you don't know. <laughs> and so it becomes easier to ask for help. I think, right. uh, now I know a lot of people who are well educated that don't ask for help. So maybe that theory goes out the window, but for me personally, when it comes to other areas of my life that I should ask for help, uh, and people are like, why in the world did you try to do that on your own? Mm-hmm. Well, because I have a low self-confidence, I have a low self-esteem in that area, and so I felt like I was going to look stupid if I asked for help on this. We all have them. We all, we have, all have them. And, and that's and, part of your weaknesses. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's part of my weaknesses. So when I go into planning something, if whatever thing we're talking about, I need to work my weaknesses. Yeah, I think if you put them down and then you go in there and you execute them and you have that fear of executing, and let's just be honest, it's a fear. Right. Then start go go back to number one and start listing those weaknesses of why you're afraid to execute your plan. I think it's universal again. And you work you gotta work the plan. It's like this upcoming trip that I'm going on, right? I'm pretty ambitious that with my foot in the situation that mm-hmm. it's in, that I'm gonna go hike through the Komono Mountains in Japan. Uh, my foot is a weakness. Absolutely. But it's definitely a weakness when I'm having to carry heavier weight. So I have half of what I normally take. You know, I'm going to probably maybe pay a price for that. 
But I know that my weaknesses, I can't carry that, so I'm not going to. But then I have another backup plan. I can actually then maybe hire somebody to move my pack ahead for me and luggage movement and stuff. They have this whole thing that they set up. Uh, I don't want to do that. But you but do have I, a plan. But I have that as an option. I have that in my back pocket that if I have to do that, I have a backup plan for that. Then how am I going to get out of the mountains if physically I can't do it? I have thought through all of those scenarios. Are there going to be scenarios that come up that I have not thought of? Absolutely. But you know what? If I don't think through all the scenarios that I can come up with, when those things happen that I have never even thought of, they would overwhelm me. Right. So when you have all the possible scenarios that you can think of that are that to counteract your weaknesses, you're still going to get stuff come to you from left field. But then you can deal with it. Right. But that one little straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing, if you haven't prepared for everything you can possibly think of, you're not going to be ex- able to execute your plan very effectively. I agree with you. And in, in order to execute, one of the things that comes up, and this happens to be number three, is utilize your resources. Exactly. And we just talked about all of these things just a moment ago because you cannot hear this stuff enough, right? right. I mean, right. you just can't. Where do you go for help? Who right. can help me? Who will help me? What do I need? Do you need that first, right? Do mm-hmm. I have enough money? Do I have enough time? Are the six people that I surround myself supportive of me? Are they ambitious people themselves? Right. Those Can, can you go to them for help? Can you go for... To them for advice. Exactly. Yeah. So utilize your and your resources are an asset to you. Oh, absolutely. Well, I guess it could be a hindrance too. But you know, I mean it but in in this context, we're thinking that you you utilize those resources so then that way they become a an actual asset. Right, exactly. And know what you're missing. Mm -hmm. Right? Are you missing this in implementing your plan? And how can you go out and find that resource. Again, can you master something? Can you take a class? Can you do watch some YouTube videos on it? Or do you need a person that you need to bring into your stable that can help you? Absolutely. You know, and again, do you have resources available to pay that person to what whatever the case may be? The reason, number one reasons why businesses fail because they don't have enough capital to sustain growth. Those are things that you can plan for, but people don't plan to have enough cash resources. Businesses have growth, and then they're doing really good. They have this great growth. You think they should be doing better, and now they close. Why? Because growth is expensive. If you don't plan for growth and have enough money or capital, whatever that is, resources, people, you're not going to likely be very successful no matter how great your product is. So you have to manage your resources. That's a very good point. A very good point. Which I guess we just talked about this a little earlier. And number four is don't be afraid to take risk or failure. Perceive failures. Exactly. It's a process and a perception. It's not a failure unless you can claim it as one. Right. Keep working. And I will say this that I don't care if you're one of these people and you listen to all these motivational speeches. That is said in every single one. Don't be afraid. Right. You know, we do not execute our plans. We do not execute a launch date, a whatever it is out there, because we're afraid. If you want to take the risk, take the risk. 
You've already utilized all your resources. You've already put it all down. Now it's just a matter of pushing the button and going forward. And you will fail. I mean, we said that in every show. You will fail. I promise you, you will fail. And you're going to have plenty of people telling you how you're failing. Oh, sure. And you you just can't get stuck in that. If if somebody's there to do your laundry list... You, you need to find somebody else that can replace yeah. them with somebody that yeah okay this is this was a this was a perceived failure this this didn't really work out the way we wanted to but you know what you you got this you right. got this let's just figure out how we tweak it how we move it how we pivot around it and then we just keep moving yeah because you do not need somebody in your life right now going over the greatest reels of all your failures right, exactly. I mean it, it, you don't have time for that in your life. You don't have time to give that energy to that person so they can feel good about whatever it is that they need to feel good about. Exactly. Yeah. Let that go. Move the, because sometimes you got to leave these people behind. So, you a know, a lot of times you have to leave a lot of times. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're going to take the risk and you know, you're going to fail, then just go do it. Don't be afraid to start it. Exactly. Which gets us to the next, that constant improvement and be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Those are definite ways that you can act upon your own ambition, for sure. Well, you can't do anything without learning it first. And I promise you... you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Right? And this is the whole thing. And folks, I know we've said this in a hundred shows, but if you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know it. But you have the ability... To learn it if you want to. Exactly. When you say, oh, I can never do that, I promise you, you are 100% right. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to improve, be an improvement person. You know, look at yourself, whatever it is, and see where you can improve upon that. But and you, if you're breathing, you have ways to improve. That's right. what we're here for. This is mm-hmm. a learning school, right? We're here to get better and learn and do different. We're here to make mistakes and failures. Absolutely. And when we're saying lifelong learners, that might be academic. That might be in whatever profession you are. That might be just raising your children. Yes. Spiritually getting better. Exactly. Any any way that you're going to just continue to learn. You've got to continue to learn every day. And don't you want to be the go-to person? I've always been that that thing. Uh, It's like, I want to be that... Well, I'm not saying about everything, but whatever it is in your field, I've always thought, man, if I could just be that go-to person where people go... Go ask Mark because he knows. I think that that's kind of cool. Yeah, that well, definitely it shows you have a good reputation that people can trust you, that you are open and receptive to other people. Those are all things that are lead to a successful life. Right, and I don't think that, at least in my opinion, when I say that, it's not because I have all the answers. Is because we can all lead down to the right way of doing it. Right. So, and those again, those are all things about trust. I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, so figure out what skills you need to accomplish the goal. Figure out who you need. Constantly be willing to get better. Constantly be willing to fail. Constantly be willing to learn. 100%. There is a thousand examples out there that tells you how to do all these. Like, you know, improving. Find a mentor. You know, if you can find a mentor. Model somebody else's success. Right. This is not new stuff, but you can actually learn something from watching... I don't care who pick insert name here. Right. You know it does, exactly. It doesn't matter whether it's a CEO or a actor or what did they do to get where they are. Now you might not be able to do it exactly like them because you're not them, but you can get some great ideas of what worked for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can try them. Yeah. Uh, maybe they don't work for you. You can try something else. Look at somebody else. But exactly, get a mentor, somebody that's been successful in whatever it is you want to be successful at, and model your behavior after people that 
do the things that you want to do. You know, if you want to be a good, honest, wholesome, loving person to the world, you know, you're probably going to look towards Gandhi or Mother Teresa. Right. You know, if you want to be a go hard, you know, beat them in the end, that's how you define your success. You know, that's fine. You know, model after, you know, Jeff Eisner Bezos, or, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, somebody, exactly. Some very successful business person. Whatever it is, and we're not saying there's right or wrong to any of that, but whatever it is you want to do, model it after somebody who's been successful. And if that doesn't work, then look for somebody else and look for somebody else and ask for help. And, and that, that leads us right into the next one. Face the challenges head on because you're going to have them. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're going to come out of the woodwork, right? right? One of the reasons why people don't face their challenges head on is because they don't like conflict. Mm, very okay, good point. I don't know that anybody likes conflict. Some people obviously are better at dealing with conflict than others. People don't like to say no. People don't like to look bad. People don't like to be perceived as a failure. All of those things lead us to hiding our head or being ashamed or, or hurting our self-confidence. Ambitious people forge ahead regardless of those challenges. Right. You know, know the difference, again, between a challenge and a perceived failure. There's a big difference between I'm going through a challenge and this is just really, really hard and I don't think I'm moving ahead. Maybe I'm taking four steps backwards instead of four steps forwards. Uh, that's a challenge, you know. But if you perceive that as a failure, you're probably going to lose motivation. If you see it as a challenge, you're probably going to keep motivated and you're going to mm, keep moving ahead on your That's ambition. a very good point. Very good mindset. point. Mindset. It's all a mindset. It's all a matter of perception. One of the things that you talk about is like rewarding yourself, right? Exactly. Put rewards into your goal setting, right? You can't work all the time. You've got to have <laughs> you got to have the carrot at the end of every little bit so that you keep motivated, uh, whether it be a day off, you know, and do this for your employees too. You know, you have big projects or something, don't let them, you know, spend weeks on a project to work themselves to death and then as soon as they're done, boom, here's another big one. You know, give them a give them a reward. Give them part of day off. Let them come in late. Let them have comp time. Buy their lunch. Buy their dinner. Something. Something. Yeah. To give them some kind of small reward. Small rewards are huge with people, including ourselves, and keeping us moving forward. So yeah, th there you go. Face that challenge head on. Exactly. But when you do face the challenge head on, you have to do what is next on our list: is be willing to pivot. Exactly. You've got to be flexible to change. And a lot of people aren't. I mean, we're just, and I can't say that I'm always willing to change. Sometimes I'm very rigid in what I think. So I, yeah, if you're not willing to pivot, ultimately you're just cutting your legs out from underneath of you. Exactly. You know, you don't want to take shortcuts, but you just want to find better ways. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You know, none of us in our life goes from A to B, B to C, C to D, so forth. Right. It just doesn't happen that way. And business, it doesn't happen that way. And I think at work we see, oh, my goodness, I went from A to B. I hopped up to F and then I got bumped back back to B again. And they gave me this report back 15 times and told me it wasn't right. And I really thought it was perfect the first time <laughs> we get that at work. But boy, when that happens to us in our personal life or at home, that really puts a wrench in things for us. So those things are just part of life. You've got to be willing to pivot. You've got to see through all the possible options, even if they sound stupid when you're going through a change. Um, brainstorm with other people. Those are all ways with which you can be flexible to change. Well, and I got to tell you, that is, I think that's great advice. But the next one, kind of explain this one to us. The next one is knowing you're being too ambitious. Okay, because that's, a, I mean, when we're saying there, 
man, I'm ambitious. I'm ambitious. How do you know when you're too ambitious? Unhealthy ambition is considered to be one of the personality traits of a narcissistic personality disorder. Hmm. Okay. So, which could lead into that. But is the price too high for your ambition? Right? Are you burning yourself out? Uh, are your personal relationships suffering? Do you have a healthy balance of time with your family and friends? Are you so focused on getting ahead that you're unhappy with the present? You know, are, are you just living in this future that uh, may or may not be? Because, again, you can't control everything that happens. So if you're living for some, you know, big carrot at the end rather than in your life today, that's a bad place to be. Because <laughs> you got to stay in the present to actually live. Again, the action is in the present. Your ambition is in the present. Your motivation is in the present towards some future thing that you're determined that you're going to get, which is all good. But enjoy your success. And just like your perceived failures, don't get stuck in your successes and don't get stuck in your failures. Because we talk about who you are today. They're not your successes, but they're not your failures either. They're a compilation, accumulation of everything you've done in the past to get you to exactly where you are today. And you live in today. So if you're so focused on being ambitious and working and going and determined, those are all very good, very healthy things. But as Aristotle said, you really have to find some mesh, some medium ground to live and to be happy with where you are, what you are, and and in what context you are today, and still work towards those things that you want and be ambitious toward the future. But you can't get stuck in an unhealthy ambition. You're not going to be happy there either. Well, there you go. I mean, now we know that you can be too ambitious at the same time. In order to do all of these things, you have done some research on ambition in itself. And this is, again, universal no matter where you look at it, right? Right, exactly. Especially Western, because we're going to we're gonna focus on just Western culture. Okay. Our capitalists, that the belief system that if you put out the effort, then you're going to be able to get what you want. And Eastern philosophy is not that way. They believe life happens to you. We believe that life happens through us. There was a lot of research out there. Some of the best I found was J.R. Thorpe, and he had seven habits of ambitious people that I thought was really pretty interesting. And the first was that he says that people that are ambitious, healthy ambition, uh, that they self-regulate. They're highly motivated. They take risks after calculating those things that we talked about. They're willing to plan everything down to the last minute. They examine their own emotions, right? So they don't get stuck in their emotions. They keep it very critical. And they also have a hard time playing well with others on a negative thing, right? People, you know those people, right? People that are very ambitious. They're set. Their timetables. They're, they're, this is the train I'm taking. And sometimes very ambitious people. And if you're a very ambitious person, you can have a hard time playing with others. Hmm. Okay. Well, number two, they surround themselves with other ambitious people. That seems self-explanatory. You don't right. want to surround yourself with people that are not. They deliberately cultivate connections with people with ambitions of their own, both to further their own passions, but also, as we said, to have a network. A network is really important. Resources are really important to have. So, yeah, they surround themselves with other ambitious people. And number three is a big one for me. They're consistently on time. Yeah, Very respectful. Research base found that ambitious people have a more accurate, independent assessment of their time period and how long things take, and therefore they are less likely to run late. Yeah, very respectful if you're on time. And number four, they bounce back from failure. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. Very resilient. 
Instead of being discouraged or put off, they prove capable of pushing forward, adapting, and taking on new lessons. Because again, they're going to be lifelong learners. They're not going to look at failure as a failure. It's just a perception. It's, they're going to look at these as challenges versus perceived failures. So they bounce back a lot easier than somebody who is emotionally attached to the outcome. Makes sense. So number five, they're intentional. Yes, they have an inclination towards purposeful behavior. It means they act with purpose, they have plans and goals and that they're willing to fulfill. Again, this is the whole beginning of the show that we talked about, right? You have to have a plan, you have to work your plan. They make lists, they work from their list, they cross off things on their to-do list, and they stay very focused. They're very intentional on their goals and their goal setting and accomplishing their tasks. Well, let's talk about number six. They take responsibility for themselves. Now, you don't have others. <laughs> they only take responsibility for themselves. Well, then they accept that the buck stops here with them. Okay. Right? They're willing to be the one who takes the heat when things go wrong. They're the ones that are willing to retool and rethink. According to his research, that people that were successfully ambitious were authentic and, and that they take responsibility that the buck stops here. You know, I think it was President Carter who actually put on the Oval Office door, I read, that said the buck stops here. Mm. He understood. He was the decision maker. He was the commander in chief. He was the president. It fell to him. Those are one of the habits and characteristic traits of highly ambitious people are that they take responsibility for themselves. Well, I got to tell you, number seven makes total sense. They don't get involved with drama. Right. A 2014 study revealed that ambition is closely tied to emotional stability. Kind of what we talked about. They are emotionally steady and not likely to get interested in or involved in other people's drama. And that totally makes They're sense. They're going to shut you... the door and do their goal setting, right? Yeah. They're going to shut the door and work on their task, and they're not going to bother with the water cooler conversation. They don't have time for it because they're working towards their goal. That's right. The exactly. only people that are ambitious and have drama... Or people starting a reality show. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and now you, Doctor Stewart, put in your own eighth one. I did. Um, they're not driven by other what other people thinks. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. So I added this to uh, to his research. They take criticism, critique, and feedback, and they do their own laundry list, and rarely let what other people think affect them. They don't let other people's behavior dictate how they show up in the world. This is something that we talk about all the time. That is. I think key to success, no matter how you define it, whether it be ambition or whatever, is you can't be driven by what other people think. You can take it as feedback. You can take it as criticism. You can take it as critiques. And you can tweak your plans and you can accept it as this didn't work out, um, feedback from other people. But you cannot be driven by what other people think. I think that's great. You got to row your own boat. Yep. Well, there you have it, folks. The keys to being more ambitious and how it'll benefit you. Exactly. So, you know, I, I, I really do. I think that this is universal. I think anybody can take this, and I think you can apply it to whatever form of ambition, success, aspirations that you have. I love it. I think it's a great show. Yep, I think so. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com. Or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Or look us up on Facebook and give us a like. And let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.